Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into 11 Personnel. Nick Roush and Adam Luckett here with you. Kentucky football spring practice is over. That means we're not done talking, and we're happy to be talking with you today. Thanks to our good good friends at Monticello Bank. Your local bank with 128 years of service. Even though they're local, they'll go with you everywhere. With the GoNBC mobile app, whether you're at home, on the road, you always got Monticello Bank nearby. They got 21 branches in 14 different markets where people matter. That's right, Lucky. Where you matter, where I matter, where everybody in the chat matters. Everyone across the Big Blue Nation matters because they are a customer-focused financial service. You're going to get numbers on your side. Find us on the web, NBCBank.com, Monticello Bank, where people matter. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. I love adding that that tagline, Lucky. It makes me feel official. I they need to get us one of those things where you, I got to go, you know what I'm talking about? The the kind of disclaimer at the end of the ads? Like the gambling reads where they <clears throat> where some of the podcasts, the, the announcers go on like a million miles an hour because there's all those gambling disclaimers. Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yes. Talking about that. I, I want to be tasked to do that without Stephen Peake editing it to go faster because I, I think I'm up for the task. Talking as fast as I type on my keyboard, uh, pounding out words, making sure the Big Blue Nation is well informed this spring. Where it 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 does feel like, look, it typically this is a spring game recap. What we learned during the spring, like, it feels like the spring kind of went out with a whimper to a degree because we didn't get that exclamation point there at the end with the spring game. Yeah, it just it was a different spring. Because of that, right? I mean, a lot of times there's not a lot we can pull from the spring game, but it's just good to, like, plan. And you have to go back and watch a couple times to see who got in, who did what, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. We don't have any of that. Like, we went to practice, but, you know, we don't have any type of film copy to kind of look back on. Or stats or anything like that. Right. There was some stuff we learned. Um but it's harder maybe to generate takes when you don't have the spring game. Um, the spring game is good for that. And so it was just different this year, but I think it was, you know, it was good and bad. It's disappointing that you didn't have the spring game, but good injury wise, this is a healthy, yeah. I think Kentucky has come out of a spring practice in a few years. And so that, that is a good sign moving forward. And like, if you go back pre-spring, like the big question is Devin Leary going to be able to throw, is he going to be able to participate fully Looks like he did. Looks like he was out there the whole time. Everybody else stayed healthy. You had a few, I think, nicks and bruises, but sounds like everybody came back in time. And so that was that was good to see. And so now you now you enter the off season. You hope that bill of health stays on the right side, and you'll not. And you got a huge portal period here that starts on Saturday. I mean, runs for fifteen days. 
he crept up on us um, a little bit. We'll get to more uh, a little bit later, but it's because they changed it. They changed the dates on us kind of out of nowhere. And uh, I think it's because the coaches were like, dude, nobody works in May. We got to, we got to have a month off. <laughs> so yeah, well, we got to chill out. Um, but that'll open Saturday. We'll talk about potential additions, who Kentucky's recruiting and more. Um, but as far as actual players that did jump out, uh, when Mark Stoops was asked on Wednesday, uh, Dekel Crowdis got mentioned. And like, that's a guy going into this spring that we talked about needed to have a big one. He's entering year three. And that receiver room, I mean, it's only getting more talented. And he is one thing that not a lot of those guys have is top-end speed. And um, as Stoops said, he showed flashes, but he's always shown flashes. It was the consistency that was seemingly holding him back. And, and he brought more of that to the table uh, this spring. Yeah, I think for DeKel, too, it was good to hear because in the two practices we got to watch, I wouldn't say he really popped off the field. Um, and so that's good to hear that he's making strides. Um, earlier this spring, Liam Cohen kind of talked about how he's had a more serious approach. Like during spring break, he went down and trained with other receivers instead of going to the beach or whatever. Um, so it seemed like – so, yeah. <laughs> he's really locked in on football right now. And so that 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 is – and it's a priority for him. So that's a good thing. Um, we're just going to have to see, you know, when push comes to shove, can he make some plays on Saturday? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, but it sounds like he's, he's more locked in, I think, which is a good thing. Now he's just got to go and make some plays because you mentioned the talent, right? If he doesn't, he's going to get passed up. And so that's where kind of Kentucky is, I think, at the receiver position. They've got some young, talented guys. It's just going to be which guys can step up behind, you know, the top three and who can become a reliable piece for them. I think DeKell is probably going to get the first swing at that this season, and we'll see if we can if he can take advantage. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, elsewhere on the offensive side of the ball, we've talked about it kind of ad nauseum um, up front in the trenches uh, with Jagger Burton moving over to center. And – just the more people I've talked to, like it, it, it does make me feel better, but also that like there's going to be some growing pains and that kind of gets to, you know, it, it does benefit them that not only do they have at least a core four in place, but they also get that runway with a very favorable schedule to start the season. And I don't know if you saw this, Luckett. See, we already got a line for Kentucky versus Georgia. I saw it this week. Kentucky plus twenty four. That's uh, it's awfully tasty there. Uh, do you remember the last time Kentucky didn't cover a spread against Georgia? I think it was twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Uh, twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. They, they were. It was only seventeen, or it was a nine point uh, line in that SEC's championship game. They lost by seventeen. But three times the last forty years, or forty years, three in the last four years, they've been twenty plus point dogs. It covered in four straight. So. Dude, yeah. give me 24 right now. Sign me up for that. Because mm -hmm. like, if Kentucky does what they should do early on, that line isn't going to be 24 points uh, when the first week of October rolls around. Do we remember if Kentucky was a dog in the bowl game? I think they were. Was it Iowa yes. favored? Okay. Five point, yeah. well, Kentucky is 13-4-1 ATS in their last 18 games as an underdog uh, with eight outright wins. So that's just something to keep in mind when the season starts. Yeah. I don't know all of you all are hopping on FanDuel to bet a game in October, but yeah, just, just saying it might be worth it. But to my overall point, a lot of it was um, 
the folks who I've spoke to are pretty confident long term. But when you're breaking in a third year player at center, like it just there's there's just going to be some early growing pains. That's just the matter of fact. And I, I guess I didn't realize it until I put pen to paper. But three straight years, you're breaking in a new center. That's that's a tough position to have that much turnover, yeah. especially when you had two centers over what seven years with Drake Jackson and and John Toth there. So a lot of turnover there. That that that's probably a reason why. Uh, they've had so much, uh, you know, they struggled so much last year. Which is why getting Jagger there can be, it gives you a long-term plan. Mm-hmm. You'll have him and then you can just parlay that into Kobe Keenum. Like you've got a plan now. Right, and right. So that, that's the exciting part. Uh, and I think Jagger athletically kind of fits in the scheme. He just fits better at center. And so I think that, and then allowing Eli Cox and Kenneth Horsey to play their natural positions, you know, those kind of moves together you're hoping will lead to better results on the offensive line. Uh, and we all know Jagger's recruiting history, his potential. You have to think if he's able to stay at this one position and develop, he's got a chance to maybe push to be kind of an all-SEC type player. And so that is exciting in, it, in its own self. I think we're going to talk about right tackle a lot, and I've kind of mentioned this, but he's – I think he's probably the most important player on that line just because if he if he gives you solid play at center, it just takes pressure off of a lot of different points. Then you feel pretty good about right guard, left guard. They've been impressed with Marcus Cox at left tackle. And you got four of the five spots you can feel good at. Depth is still a huge, I think, yeah. question mark mm-hmm. with this yeah. group. But at least I think the starting lineup, the path is there for you to feel – um, somewhat confident in this group, at least the first five, and we'll see what they what they do at tackle here in the portal. Yeah, and sometimes the I, I hate playing that game where so and so looked good, but was because the other side looked bad. I do think, yeah, I do think Big Dion does does kind of uh, make things difficult for some of those other UK put a mic'd up video out today and. I think they like Paul Rodriguez at left guard, but dude, he he ain't blocking Dion Walker. Yeah, for me <laughs> in the spring practice, in the open practice, I talked about this. Like, I don't even worry about like Dion Walker. Like, we know who Dion Walker is. If he's winning, that's good. Consistently, he should win. Like, if he yeah. is who we think he is, he should dominate Kentucky football practices. The concern would be when I see like Trevon Ripka and I see Josiah Hayes and I see some of these other guys getting making plays behind the line of scrimmage consistently. Like, I've seen those guys against SEC teams. Yeah. And yeah, that's not is, something that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully those guys are taking a jump in their development. But when that when that happens, and that's what happened kind of in some of that spring practice, that is what, that's what concerning uh, with this line. And so I wouldn't – yeah, De- like when you see Deion Walker highlights, I wouldn't just assume Kentucky's offensive line just totally stinks. He's going to do that to a lot of people this year he's he's just he's amazing and I, I i i know you've got the ass kicker on the other side but like i just can't help just every time Dion walker does a rep i'm just like my my jaw is just on the floor this dude and, and i maybe it's because i played defensive line so like i have a an affinity for guys in the trenches who can have as much talent as he does but like the way he can just move, and now he's, 
you know, he said he could only do three or four downs at full speed last year. And now he's, he, you know, whole drive at a hundred percent, right. As long as they aren't going on, you know, some big long 12 play drive, right. Like he, he's ready to go. He's boxing uh, to exercise, to work out. Uh, he's playing light on his feet, wearing receiver cleats. I just, that guy is a freak and it's, it's going to be so much fun to watch him play football this fall, especially on third downs. Like, Give me an obvious passing situation. I'm locked in on number zero. Just ready to watch that dude uh, raise some hell. Um, elsewhere on the defense, though, we 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 mentioned it a lot, but Zion Childress obviously had a big spring, and and I think this can kind of take us to the next point I wanted to get to is going into spring practice. We had all these kind of positional competitions. What's going to happen? Who's going to win out here? And did you receive any clarity at some of these? positional competitions um because i i don't feel like i have particularly at cornerback where feels like we're on a little bit of a seesaw where right harrison does some stuff but he's he's still wildly inconsistent and hardaway he's got the right tools but he's playing catch up i i don't really know what to make of what's going to happen in the secondary between nickel and the the two cornerback positions Yeah, I, Andrew Phillips is obviously the known commodity there and how they handle him between playing corner and nickel. Like, that's the one we know. I think it's going to be a thing that kind of lingers in the year with Hairston and Hardaway. Like, I think they're really just going to want to see what they have. Um, you know, they got the three kind of tune-up games to kind of figure that out too. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to kind of tinker with that. Where does Jalen Geiger fit into this? Does he slide down and play nickel? It's true, true. Or do you need Phillips to play nickel? I mean, that's kind of – you're going to have to figure that all out. And then, like, these freshmen coming in, Avery Stewart and Nasir Addison. That's true. Avery right. Stewart, you could argue, was the biggest win for Kentucky in this class. They kind of pulled him out of a – you know, Frank Pafano kind of pulled a coup over everybody getting him. And then Nasir Addison is a guy they really like, Nick. Um, they like his size, his competitiveness. His, they, I think they felt like he was kind of a hidden hidden gem up there in New Jersey. I think both, both those guys are going to get a chance to play. I mean, and we've seen freshmen play early here at cornerback. Um, that's not something that they've been afraid to do in the past. And so I think you're going to have to throw them in and see where they fit there. Uh so I think you're going to see kind of a competition that enters into the season. I've been on record, and I haven't really swayed from that. I think Hardaway is going to end up being the number two corner opposite Phillips, and then you're probably going to – I think you're going to have three to four cornerbacks potentially that play snaps this year. I think they're you're not going to see a season like we maybe saw with Carrington Valentine. Maybe Phillips would be that, but like Valentine played like 750 plus snaps. Like he just didn't come off the field last yeah, year and yeah. he didn't come off the field the year before. I think they would prefer to have a more of a rotation there. And I think we'll, we'll possibly see that this year. And those two freshmen, I think, are two guys to watch here in this over the summer and then into fall camp to see if either of them can make a move. Because both of them are, you know, they fit more of the mode of big, they got size, length. Um, which is kind of what they're looking for, I think, at cornerback. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of like that, too. Like, of all the positions to have a sort of competition, 
cornerback is one that a you're, you you need to rotate guys a lot anyway. But it, how, how do I put this? Because it's like it's all about kind of one on one battles. So there's a very there's very much a sense of urgency in practice at that spot where I don't think that gets generated quite as easily on the offensive line because of the way they operate, right? Like when you're in individual drills with offensive linemen, I mean, they stand around a lot in practice because they're bigger guys. They're not running all over the field. Whereas like a cornerback, it's one in one out and you get a lot of dudes like cussing under their breath because they got beat or they're talking trash because they just had a beater. So like, I, I do think that's a position that really, lends itself to competition and that's not just kind of coach speak that's just the very nature of it so having a bunch of guys who are kind of uh close to one another that are all kind of battling i I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to have that bleed into the season i think even stoops said that as well that this is probably something that's we're we're not going to find out and we may not find out until after the season started it's just an easier eval coming out of high school you got a pretty good sense most of the time who who can play mm-hmm. at corner. Can you run? Can when you get when you get you in camp? Can you cover people is, is in, a, in a seven on seven? <laughs> yeah, and then when we put the pads on you, are you gonna you know how do you tackle and what kind of instincts do you have? Um, reactionary type stuff. I mean, it's really not the eval is just easier, I think. Whereas offensive line, you know, like there's some stuff you can tell in camp, but like. Like, you know, like the one-on-one pass simulation, it's not, it's not, it's just not, it's like a 10% of what you're going to do. I mean, like, cause there's so much, you have to play so much. I mean, DBs, you have, there is, you know, there's like, you can make the argument, like the two, the communication piece is the biggest with offensive line and the secondary. Like that is a huge part of playing that position is playing on a string with that unit, whether it's four or five guys in the secondary or five guys on the offensive line, but offensive line, it's, it's just, it's just different. Like you've got, there's, you know, you're working together on double teams. You're picking up twists and stunts and stuff like that. Um, it's and then at DB, it's different. I mean, in Kentucky, they're playing kind of a zone scheme, so you have to know your responsibility and what the person, you know, the safety behind you is doing and what the corner is doing in front. But it's more, yeah. more translatable, I think. Physical skill set. It just you just know quicker, I think, with some of the DBs and maybe the linemen. And like DBs can play early, I, where we've seen at Kentucky, these linemen they need two, three years. Most of them, the, not even most of them, I would say the large majority of them, like to just grow and develop their bodies to be able to play at this level. And so that that is kind of the I think just the difference between the two. Whereas like Kentucky's linemen, like we're we're big on Kobe Keenum, but like the guy needs to add some weight. Like he is small right now. Hmm, like he needs to, hmm. Yeah, he needs to add. 20 or so pounds. Uh, and like Nick Hall was a, like an intriguing prospect, I thought, coming out of high school, but he needed to added some strength. Jagger Burton was right there. Like Jagger probably played too early last year. Like physically, I'm, I'm not sure if he was maybe ready to play, but he's got another year. Now he's year three. Now he should be ready to go. And so it's just, it's just different, I think, from that regard. I think in the secondary, guys are more ready to play early on. And then like you look at the freshman safeties, Ty Bryant, I think potentially, like for him, he's you know he should be a sophomore right now. So it's probably he's probably gonna play a lot on special teams. Like I don't think he's taking a redshirt season. Jeremiah Anglin can play, and so if an injury or something happens to safety, you could probably you may need to him 
you may need to burn a red shirt in case some, you know, have him as one of your backups. And so I just think it's easier maybe to play at those positions where it's not there on the offensive line. I was checking out the chat and uh, Tyler said, how many hats do you have in there, Nick? And I, uh, there's a lot. Um, so that's just five rows of hats with about three or four each. I, I won't pull my computer over to the other side of the room. Yeah. Cause I've got stuff. Let's, in. Um, I got about seven more racks and the worst part too, like it is like, I'm such a sucker for hats. Like, cause I mean, I'm, I'm a ball guy, you know, I got to cover up the dome. I got it sunburnt on the golf course, just taking my hat off for three or four holes. Like I, I it's, it's a necessity, but you ever, you know, when you see the ads and you click on it once and then you're like, yeah, oh man, this looks cool. There's a hat with a duck on it. It's just a flying duck on a yellow hat that I had my eye on. And every, I mean, I see it twice a day now on my Instagram, on everywhere. They want me to get that damn duck hat. And you know what? I'm making myself wait till after Derby because I just got my Derby fit. And man, it is real nice, Clark. I'm I'm looking forward to showing that off to you when, when Steven hangs out with me in the infield on Oaks Day. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a luxurious outfit. Uh, I've also Nick, got this hat right here, too. Should I, wear, should I rock this one during the, the show? A little German. Uh, it honestly looks like, you know, you're impressed row at oh, Preakness yeah. or something. Yeah, like I just need like a, the little card that says press on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um. All right. Hats aside, so I want to like get to this be- question, Nick, because I've been asked this a ton. Oh, um, okay. Both on KS Board, on Twitter, um, in person, everywhere. Oh, and this is from me. Travis K. Hey, is Kentucky going to be looking for someone in the portal for right tackle? There's a guy from Texas A&M from the right tackle position. Maybe they can go after him. Okay. This guy, I need to pull up his name, okay? He was a tackle prospect in high school. And so on three, put out, on three put out a graphic, which is pretty much saying, you know, he was a, ta- a Texas A&M transfer. Travis, let me try to find Wyk- his name. Wyckoff. Wyckoff. Yeah. Is uh, entering the portal. Well, Travis – Played center last year for Texas A&M. He has not played one snap of college football at tackle. I do not think that's going to be Kentucky's right tackle target in the no. in the portal. There are going to be players that emerge. That's not going to be one of them. So to answer, we'll go on record here. I do not think that guy is going to be uh, the tackle prospect, but. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That guy's going to get some interest. It sounds like that guy kind of got beat out at center and is in the portal. That's probably going to be something maybe Kentucky has to look at. A power five guy that maybe got beat out uh, maybe like by somebody on the roster or a transfer. Mm-hmm. That, that may be who Kentucky is looking at 
here. Um, and we should see some names start to pop really today and going into the weekend, Nick. Um, I, I'm expecting some, sooner or later that ball's going to get rolling. We'll start to get a bunch of names and then we'll all go from there. Uh, but yeah. no, the Texas AM kid is not, I don't believe, going to be a target here for Kentucky. He, he ain't it. He ain't it. Um, but it, it's certainly evident, though, that nobody went and grabbed that right tackle position during spring practice, and that that is going to be a necessity. I still yep. still can't gauge whether or not they're going to grab a kicker or not. I just can't, you know, like I'm not hearing bad things, but there's not exactly a stamp of. I think it just depends on the options, really. Yeah, I think is it good enough? Kind of, is there a guy out there good enough worth taking? I think quarterbacks kind of in the same boat. Mm-hmm. I think if a good option came open at quarterback, I think they would grab it. But does it be available? I think right now the two big. I think they're more worried about right tackle on off ball yeah, linebacker. Yeah. Those Which, are the two bigger needs because you need a starter right tackle, and you need a third linebacker who's going to be essentially a co-starter for you. I think those are the two big needs for them right now. Kentucky, they've already hosted one, uh, Jarente Davis from Jackson State, who has a it's a fun career bucket. He did the JUCO to Middle Tennessee to Jackson State, and I mean when he when he hopped in the portal at Middle Tennessee, he picked to play for Coach Prime over some Power Five programs, um, mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a lot of production there. Bucket, I think. Um, I think we were hoping to hear some news already, but it sounds like he is uh, he's going to check out more than one place. Yeah. Uh, 247's Chris Hummer had a report on him last night. He's visiting A&M this weekend. He's visiting UCF early next week, and then Colorado and Washington, I think, are jockeying for visits. And so this is one that's going to last a little over a week. But it seems like, well, Kentucky getting in for the first visit, it's worth noting. And then it seems like he liked that visit to Kentucky. I've, on the latest kind of post at KSR Plus that went up today at noon, I kind of dove into Juriente Davis and his background and who he is as a player. I think he would be a good fit as kind of a second option to the Eric Jackson at Mike. Now, the sell for Kentucky is going to be, you know, they have – like snap count data to show him like our third linebacker plays 300 snaps essentially. Right. Right. Like look at all these, like they're, you're going to play here and you can can compete for a starting spot, but you're going to, no matter what, you're going to be able to play here. Is that something he wants or is he going to want to go start and play 600 plus snaps somewhere? I think this guy, Nick has not missed a game in two years at middle Tennessee and Jackson state. He showed improvement from his year at Middle Tennessee to going to Jackson State. Um, 6'1", 235, does a good job, plays with good instincts, gets downhill, physical, kind of inside linebacker. I think getting him would be a really nice recruiting win. It would make you feel pretty good about your linebacker room. So this is a surprising, like, attractive target. It's just going to be can they can they beat out if Colorado or Washington can sell a starting Role. I'm not sure what AM's linebacker depth chart looks like. I can't imagine they're looking for a starter at linebacker the way they've kind of recruited, but who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. 
And so that's just kind of where that's at. I think. Wait, wait, hold up, hold up. You you don't know Texas A&M's depth chart at linebacker? Like, what the hell? It's, is this, a, it's, this is not the Adam market I know. It's early. Give me, like, <laughs> by June I'll have it down. But, yeah, I haven't even – I got to consume the spring games first before I get into all that. And that's going to happen after this weekend when hey, I start diving also into YouTube rabbit holes. Had to consume some uh, golf over the weekend. Shout out to That's the right. Marikawa top 10 pick. Wow. What a backdoor that was. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it was nice. Shane Lowry, top 20 cast, I believe, yep, too, yep, as well. Yep. Missed out on um, Tony yeah. Finau. Just yeah. kind of, I think he in the 20s. Two so, and three. Billy Horschel, our miscut on Billy Horschel was a tough beat uh, because. He was he was outside that cut. He was at three for a while, and then the they're, they're at came. the end. Yeah, he was one of those with Tiger that snuck in to make the cut there at the end. So that was unfortunate that that one didn't catch. But overall, good week. And Morikawa was our pick to win. He was, you know, yeah, like I talked about the he had win a bad Sunday, tough. man. Uh huh. But other, was, overall, we were we were right there in the park. I thought, yeah, and yeah. Good, good Masters rifle champion. Um, the rain kind of ruined the Saturday, but Sunday having it on all day was was not super disappointing. We have a well, like, golf all day. So I even had nice. Wild Bill Salatoris as like when you do your little rankings picks, right? Oh yeah, you know, tiered. I mean, he didn't even play, and I still came in six in my in my my league. And when you that that's when you know you're doing well. You're cooking with oh, gas yeah. right there. So I appreciate the picks like it. Um, RBC Heritage this week. Have you have you handicapped who? who have you done that? Are we- yeah. I mean, it's off and running. JT was probably my pick to win this week. Uh, I'm trying to think who else I liked. Matt Kuchar always plays well there. So, if you can find plus odds on him to finish, like, top 20 or anything. He's there. And, like, Ricky Fowler's been playing good golf, and I liked him this week. And he had a good round. He's He went four under today. Nice, nice. So, he said he's off to a nice start. So, yeah. Uh, but we'll be back with more picks. I think PGA. Yeah. It's a little over a month away. I think it's two weekends after yep. Derby. That It'll be right? um, the week after Mother's Day. So yeah. Um, so we'll yeah, be back and then uh, I'll have some Derby picks too for you. Hopefully, uh, here here's the one thing though, because people will ask me for horse racing picks. I don't like to give them out because I feel like I jinx them. I, I'm admittedly a jinx, so like I will share some, but usually they're not the one. Like, I'm superstitious like that. Like it, I, I know it's bad taste, um, but uh, we did have all the, the prep races Saturday were awesome. I was playing Keeneland all day while kind of on the card and Keeneland Keeneland's a tough place to win because there's, there's a, it's not Why very long. It? It, well, so they, it's a shorter meet, right? Like they only do two months out of a year. The, the horses, the races, there's bigger pots. So you get really good horses and, it's just I, I feel like it's one of those where, you know, on Friday it was like chalk, 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 boom, long shot, boom, long shot. So like just when you start getting in a rhythm, I mean, on Friday I think a different jockey won every single race. You know, it's not like you just got Irad dominating the competition or whatnot. So it, it's tough. And yeah. the other thing too is your old reliables, uh, West Ward. That was he dominated Keenan for a long time, particularly on the turf, and that just isn't. Betting West Ward first-time starters aren't as guaranteed hits like they used to be. But uh, Tappet Trice, man, he ran a hell of a race in the bluegrass. Uh, 
that that horse is going to be. I, I will give you here. Here's one thing I'm going to share. I'm writing a post on KSR later this week. Um, Jenny Reese, who Lavillians remember because she was the Courier Journal's uh, horse racing reporter for years, years and years that, and years, and she came up with uh, something called uh, the uh, what's the theory called here. Um, what's it called the past uh basically it's if you do they use the restroom before the race that old betty theory i'm trying to think of the actual name because she coined it it's like fastest fractions theory basically do you start fast and do you finish strong um like you have to be at a certain pace and there was yeah uh six horses um that qualified for it and forte is one of them angel of empire Oh, that can't be right. Either way, uh, I'll I'll give those to you in a post later. I'll get them all. Do we down. have a? Tr- is there a triple crown contender? Forte in this Forte, field. I think Forte. is. And the way Tappet Trice ran, like if that horse is peaking at the right time, like some of them, you know, you just got to. It, it's all about getting hot in the middle of your three year old year. And uh, like I think tis yeah. the tis the law a few years ago was triple crown worthy. COVID messed up his schedule, and he wasn't at his peak in November. Uh, but I think I think Forte legit potential superstar in the triple crown. So uh, there's your latest sort of, uh, there's your latest horse racing update. I'm, I'm really going to get into the weeds probably when we're on our way back from the NFL draft. So two weeks, a little no, scheduling no. update next week. We're going to do a mailbag episode, right? Where it's just you questions are all on you. KS board. We'll get to all of those. We'll also answer questions in the chat. It's going to be a loaded mailbag episode. And then two weeks from now, we're going to be doing the show from, kansas city so that's exciting uh we'll have not only this show leading into the draft we'll have reaction afterwards uh, i've got some fun ideas playing with Stephen peak with us out amongst the people in kansas city so very excited for the nfl draft because that it's just it, it was fun being in nashville when josh allen was picked but it's nashville we've been there yeah. it's well documented we've been there a lot yeah. uh we've had, had talked about nashville and it's also not like a, something about a quarterback. It just – people are just going to be happy when they get a pass rusher, right? But a quarterback elicits hot takes immediately from fans. And so we're going to be trying mm-hmm. to get some of those spicy takes. Uh, we've seen Kyle Brandt dress up in his muscle shirt. Like, like we have, we've gone through every potential cycle with the Will Levis love, the hate, the smoke screens. So it's um, – I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that all to – kind of reach a conclusion in Kansas City, and we're, we're going to be there for all of it. It's going to be madness, and it's going to be just an awful, awful time for Bud Lights out there. I, I really feel sorry for them. They, they don't stand a chance like it. No, yeah, it'll be a – I'm just excited to see what it's like at the draft. I've never been to the draft. Um, I really – I haven't even looked up to see, like, KC set up. Like, what is it even going to look like? Yeah, be? Yeah. yeah, so and- – and what I just from trying to map out hotel rooms and stuff. So Arrowhead and Kauffman Stadium mm-hmm. aren't in the center of town. They're kind of off the beaten path. Yeah. But Kansas They're like City's fairgrounds also, like Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. And and Kansas City's unusual too in that, you know, it's on both sides of the river, right? So mm-hmm. trying trying to figure all that out. Um, I'm excited. The one thing I know you're gonna look forward to though, Luckett, is just the amount of people that just go because it's fun and then how many different fan bases it draws, 
I mean, yeah. it's, just every, it's it's an whereas the combine is an NFL convention for you know working media, working scouts is like the workers convention. This is the fans convention, and mm-hmm. there ain't many sober ones. Yeah, <laughs> so so I'm fired. Yeah, up. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Um, you know what I'm excited about too, like it is that we aren't in the office today, but we've been in the office a lot lately, and. It got ugly there for a minute because uh, KS Office has a, a, a periodic bird problem where they just like to go in there, poop, die, do God knows what to our office. But thankfully, the fine folks at ServPro, they were there to save the day. And what's great about ServPro is you know them because it's a national brand, but they're locally owned and operated. ServPro of Lexington, they'll get to fire, water damage, mold remediation, storm damage. There's a lot of trees being knocked down in these crazy spring storms. They've got commercial cleanup, demolition. Uh, they're going to work for you 24-hour emergency services. And look at, I'm, you know, I got like an older home. You get water in the basement. Like that stuff can just be a mess. ServPro Lexington, they will take care of you. Visit them online, ServProLexingtonKY.com. Or give them a call, 859-225-3193. ServPro of Lexington, they helped out KSR. <laughs> Believe me, I, I came in there that day, and I I was like, oh, God, what are we what are we, we going to do here? ServPro of Lexington, they save the day. They'll save your day, too. And lucky, one thing that I, I think of all of the spring football, uh, the most exciting developments for me, from the recruiting standpoint, I was I was worried we were gonna have to call Surf Pro of Lexington last spring because there was just <laughs> not, like, we didn't know anything. Like nobody was talking. There wasn't a lot of buzz. There wasn't a lot of big time names coming in, and that that lingered. Yeah, we had no idea who was gonna visit even in June at this time. Yeah, last year. I mean, year. it was it was it was it was a little worrisome. And a, a big credit uh, to you, to Zach Gagan, to Jacob Polacek. Um, like right now, if you if you want to follow Kentucky football recruiting, it's never been better at KSR. Sign up for KSR Plus. It's ten bucks until football season. We're offering flash sales throughout. Like it is keeping you in the loop on everybody, on everything you need to know. And my general, like I I wanted today to kind of have just like a because it's a lot, right? Like that spreadsheet. There's a lot of names on there. You know, there's a yeah. lot of people that Jacob Polachek's talked to, and you're like, okay, well, which ones matter, which ones don't? But to simply synthesize it, Kentucky is addressing positions of need at offensive tackle and at quarterback. Like, they're 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 in the right waters. They're able to slow play receivers because they've got so many good ones, and they're in the hunt for some other ones. Um, and so, like, you, you feel like they've laid a very solid foundation um, – they're getting official visitors on where it's like um, there's a linebacker from Georgia or no, I think he's a corner. It's a corner from Georgia. It's Georgia or Kentucky. There's two official visits, right? Like you're, you're in the right waters. You're in the mix for guys. You got him on campus, maybe for junior day and for spring practice. And now you're setting up official visits. Like this is the kind of flow of things. And Kentucky's in on a lot of big names. They're not going to get a lot of them. Um, but they're in on him, and I I think this is also the part where we got to give a salute to Chris Collins for for really stepping up to the plate and filling a void 
that was left when when you had Quink and Summerall both depart within a year's time. Yeah, Collins in general, I think, is doing a good job. And I think even dating back to last year, getting guys on campus, even guys they don't end up getting. Um, but it's kind of volume recruiting. Eventually you're going to, you know, yeah. if you shoot – if if my if I go in at the gym and shoot a bunch of three-pointers, I'm not going to make a lot of them, but I'll make a few. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, kind of the recruiting strategy here is just uh, get – keep getting guys on campus and eventually you're going to record a big recruiting win. And I think um, Jakeem Jackson was obviously that big fish last year. They got him on mm-hmm. campus a bunch. It just ended up not working out. Uh, but maybe, you know, we'll see what who the Jakeem Jackson is this year. Maybe they'll win one like that. So, yeah, he's doing a good job. Um, I think right. most Brandon of all they're Jacob just – is the, the big name that's like – Yes, the big from name. Orlando. Whoa, yeah. Top 150. Yeah. But for me – I just think I kind of dove into or last week or maybe Sunday was kind of just like these are the positions Kentucky need these are needs in the 2024 high school recruiting class as of right where we sit right now what we know about the roster mm-hmm. and they just have I think options at some positions of need like edge there's some intriguing guys mm-hmm. popping up you just put in a RPM pick for Brian Robinson top 200 player uh, from there from Youngstown. And he's not the only one. They've got some good options there. Offensive tackles, a big one. It's a premium position, college football, one you need to address every year. They've got like Jaquan McRoy is the big one there. Yeah. But there's some, uh, there's some other guys that I think you could be talked into as being yeah. good recruiting wins. And so we'll see where that develops, but there's some options I think right there at tackle. And then the one big one to me, two big ones is really kind of running back and quarterback. Uh, thing business is booming in 2025 right now at mm-hmm. quarterback, but business is not moving booming in 2024. Uh, I don't know what Kentucky's going to do. Maybe that's a sign that a reclassification is coming, but we just don't know that yet. We'll have to see. And then at running back, it's just, you know, Jordan Marshall goes to Michigan out of Moeller. It's a big deal that may cause Kentucky to lose its top target, Sam Williams Dixon, to Ohio State. Yeah, that's Ohio State. Uh, that that's they can get the hell out of here. So oh, what is yeah. we have to figure out, and we don't know much about Jay Bullware um, as a recruiter yet. We're going to kind of learn that as it goes. Well, so who kind of emerges, and who can they maybe get on campus here this summer? That's something we're going to have to watch. They still need some more, like, intriguing targets, I think, to emerge at tackle. But McRoy is just a huge, huge target. Uh, I wish John Summerall was still here. Because if Summerall was here, they'd probably get that kid. Uh, But he's not here anymore. And so, but but Liam Cohen is assisting Yenzer on that recruitment. That guy is, like, that's, like, almost like, it feels like a must-get, man. That could just be, like, your guy at right tackle. I mean, he he was number fifty seven in ESPN's first three hundred. Yeah. You know, like he's that guy. Um, the good news is though that 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 was an early idea. Like Kentucky was his first scholarship offer, so you have yeah. that. The, he's been the, here a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the The part that you do, like you said, you kind of worry about is is closing is a different beast on those kind of days yes. where that is, and that's. That's tough. Like, 
I, I, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing if he commits in June, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a, Long way it to actually go, might you know? be, you know, like, I'm not going to get mad if he does, but that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think the other thing too, like it, that I'm really going to be fascinated is how, who is going to be, who's going to get this ball rolling in June? Um, because I'm, for a while, I, I really thought it was just Gavin Grover had that, like, all right, he'll, he'll probably commit first week of June and then they get these official visitors in and then you kind of see, you know, three or four more join, right? And then you get like a big guy on 4th of July. But they're also playing this dangerous game where they've recruited so well at tight end and they're so young, they have to be selective. And uh, Dylan Mesman, a four-star guy, he's visiting this weekend. So like, how do you, how do you juggle them, right? That, that's a very difficult game to play because last year – they tried to juggle Jermaine Matthews and Cameron Calhoun, two quarterbacks yeah. in Winton Woods, and they just botched it all to hell because Calhoun wanted to commit early, and they were like, whoa, 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 slow down here. Not yet. And that pissed him off, and that pissed Matthews off. So they, they juggled that one poorly. So you have to you have to be careful um, when, you, when you're playing this game with, with limited numbers where, like, I know this, this offense – a lot of it is predicated on good tight end play, but I don't know if they're going to be able to take two in this class. Yeah. Two things here with, I think this is important. Tight end is not a, like I wouldn't say a position of need. They're probably going to want one tight end in this class. So you got to make sure you're spending on the right one. Um, Dylan Mesman is a Michigan state legacy recruit. So, like, that's going to be – on that alone, it's going to be, I think, hard to win that one. But I think Kentucky's got a pretty good shot here with mm-hmm. him. The thing with Gavin Grover is, I, watching his tape, I get a lot of Keaton Upshaw vibes with him. Like, that style of player. Big, long body, can run a little bit, but he's more uh, – but he's not necessarily, like, the best, I would say, athlete. Like, change of direction. He's not, like, going to be the best route runner. Mm-hmm. Um, but blocking is not a strength of his. Like that's something that's got to really, I think, come a long way when he gets to college. And so, what that like those are kind of there's like that's a good spot for him, I think. Upshaw is so for Kentucky, they got to figure out is this what we want? Kind of a big, tall, flex tight end like this, or do we want someone who can bring more blocking? Uh, well, and meanwhile, in Northern Kentucky. There's a guy at Cuffcath, Willie Rodriguez, who they've kept their eye on, but they haven't gone all in with. And meanwhile, some yeah. other schools have. Shame you have to wonder if you have yeah. to wonder if that's if he's out. Like if it's just if they've wait, like slow played it too long. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I think they're really trying to. I mean, I haven't dug into Messman's tape yet. See what kind of player he is, but I think they're really just trying to figure out what he's going to do. Um, to see if maybe they think they have a real shot at him or if he's just going to go to Michigan State. And then Grover's right there. It's down in Kentucky and Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. The good thing it's about a, Cincinnati is you know who you're recruiting against now. <laughs> you know? Oh, man, it's so great. That's another thing, too, that I mentioned in the post today is, like, you're, rec- you're you've, you've been recruiting at Satterfield and Jeff Brom. But they're just wearing different logos now, and it's going to be harder to recruit against Louisville at times. But it should be a lot easier to recruit against Cincinnati, and they've been a huge pain in the ass as of late. Yeah, well, like Michigan is doing some stuff recruiting. Like they are like the hot team in college football right now, outside of Georgia. 
They've got a lot of momentum, and they're doing some things. And you got Ohio State. It's made recruiting Ohio a lot tougher. Luckily, Fickle's out of Cincinnati. If Fickle was still there, that thing – I mean, it'd just be tough to get good players there. And example number one, Terry on Nichols. Like, this kid was pretty under the radar, right, until the yeah, cornerback evaluators got out of there. But, yeah, he's from Cincinnati. They've been – they were just putting cornerbacks in the pros there. Like, he, he would have just gone there if, if Fickle was still there. Now, Vince has been on him early. Uh, he's been recruiting that high school. You know, every time Nichols comes down, he's bringing three or four guys with him. So, like, that's a guy who could be a starter for you that you would have missed out on. And that's the other thing that we – that does get lost in some of this early recruiting talk. Uh, not to say we get transfixed on ratings and all that. That's just a good way to judge him. But you're ultimately just looking for starters. How many starters can you get each and every year? Are these going to be guys that you can roll out on for two, three years uh, to start for you? And like Nichols is, he's probably one of those guys, right? <laughs> like that yeah. just has the athleticism that can that can hold down us out of the field. So, yeah. and I think they can be picky at corner, just because they got a lot of guys. <laughs> like, yeah, they've got nine scholarship cornerbacks. Nick in Philip Andrew Phillips is the older oldest one. He's a redshirt junior. So you got to think a couple of these guys. Are probably going to transfer out, but still, they're going to be young at cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're yeah. young this year. So, like, that's not necessarily – like, I think they can be a little bit picky there yeah. in this class at cornerback. Um, and so, that's just where they're at there. I think, really, they're in a good spot because they've got, I think, some intriguing targets on the board and some, like, guys with some higher rank guys. And we're just going to have to see how it goes. But – like you mentioned, the momentum, they've got some juice right now. If they can go ahead and start stacking some commitments and get the ball rolling into this official visit season in June, in camp season in June, that could maybe lead to a, a kid unexpected maybe coming there and then maybe open a door somewhere down the road. And so that's really what you're wanting to see, now, right? Where it's April 13th, it's about commitment season, like, Every year around Derby, we start seeing commitments just pop off for a month. And we need to see, we like to see Kentucky get a few of those just to get some momentum going. It would be nice. It would be awfully nice. Um, if you want more recruiting content, like I said, there's a ton more on KSR. Plus. Mm-hmm. It is going to slow down. This is their last week in hosting high schoolers. Uh, the next two weeks, it'll be kind of transfer portal additions. Uh, that will be on campus. And then the month of May, the month of May is dead. Everybody's kind of just exhale a little bit. You get a little bit of time off. And then June, like we said, it's crazy. They'll get a few more weeks off in July and then we're at SEC media days. So that's kind of what you look for, you know? Yeah. And speaking of the board, we got a few, we got a few questions on here. Okay. um, That we're going to throw out Um, from UK alum 99. What freshman do you see getting some snaps this year? Anthony Brown and Kobe Keenum seem to make some noise in spring practice. What about freshmen coming in this summer fall? We talked about corner and safety a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the, that's obviously one. Javent Brown, if he can play, he's going to have a chance to play at linebacker. Yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those would be the ones I would watch. I think, you know, Shamar Ford will get a long look at receiver too. See, and, that, and that's just with any of the receivers, I don't doubt that they're not good enough to play, but maybe not just not this year. You know what I mean? Right. Like in any other year, it's just there's just such a crowd there. So that's what yeah. I kind of worry about a little bit. Uh, Ryan asked, um, oh, wait, it was Ryan. I got the Big Blue Jay and the Ryan mixed up because uh, they did. <laughs> Uh, it was Big Blue Jay because we've already answered Ron's question. We answered Big Blue Jays. So offense looks like it's shaping up to be 30-plus points per game machine that it was the first season under Cohen. Obviously, a lot of this is will ultimately depend on the Big Blue wall being restored. Man, that's that, – that, that's, that's I don't know. That's a million-dollar question. Right yeah. Yeah. Because you kind of – and the, the way I talked to somebody recently – the hardest part about the spring was that they couldn't run their offense because they didn't have any of their tight ends, you know? So, like, that made it difficult to to discern. Leary is certainly a good enough quarterback to put up some points, but how efficient can they be with the protection and everything? That That's the that's the tough ask, right? That That's that's the toughest yeah. ask because a lot of what ha- – the, the difference is it was all third down and red zone. It was all situational football where they struggled last year. And, and where they kicked ass in 2021. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I think the play caller can make a huge difference in that. But also, I mean, you saw that spring practice. It's hard to score without your tight ends in the red zone. Yeah, just – just like 2021, they were just in third and two a lot. Like long story short. So they could just give it to – 24 or let Levis run it and they were just always ahead of the chains and that's why they had a lot of success and I thought Cohen was a very good scripter coming out start game so they were playing they were playing with leads a lot and they were playing comfortable and ahead and they did a good job of keeping defenses off balance this year to me it's going to be more of a high wire act because they're going to have to throw it and they're going to have to be explosive like and they need to be one of the more explosive offenses in the SEC for them to like push that thirty point mark that we all want them to get to. Just because that's gonna how they have, they're gonna have to score to me. Like I, I don't think this group is built to go thirteen plays seventy five yards. I, I just think it's gonna be hard for them with the line issues. I mean, we keep hearing Mark Soups talk about being physical, being able to run the football. Like well, I just don't know if they've got the personnel to do that. Like you know, like they did in twenty twenty one. That that is the real. So how do they balance that is really the huge question for me. And how do they come up with a plan? Because you can't just not run the ball. You've got to come up with a plan to run the ball, but you have to be creative. I think they're going to have to be creative with how they scheme up the run game. And so what kind of creativity do they show to do that uh, to find some semblance of balance? I think it's just going to be a, it's going to be a different, I think, kind of balancing act where it's not just going to be, well, we can get in 12 personnel or whatever, and we can just run – tight zone here with 24 and we're going to get seven yards and just not I don't think that's on the table this next year so figuring out all that is just going to be I think something they're going to have to kind of 
learn on the way and adjust on the fly. And that's, you know, we'll see how it shakes out when well, the season arrives. As Coach Rich said, it's easier to score from 30 yards away. So, yeah, well, it should be easy, Liam. Just go do it. Let's go score from 30 yards Right, away. and you, you hit on a good point too, Nick. Like just the tight ends are a huge part of this offense. We talk about wide receiver three. Wide receiver three is Jordan Dingle. <laughs> so they, they just didn't have – those guys this spring. So that was, you know, obviously they were, yeah. they were playing ham, hamstrung a little bit uh, throughout the spring practice. Um, Scrappy asked, what does the scholarship count look going into the portal? I have them at 83. So I have them with two open spots. Um, some people have told me Cole Lanter is on scholarship. So if he's on scholarship, that means they're at 84. We'll see. I'm expecting them to lose two, three, four guys. Yeah. Off yeah. I would assume. And we'll see how that shakes out. Again, like we talked about, we'll start to see some movement here soon. Uh, and the thing about this one, though, Nick, it's like the first one's six weeks long. Like it's 40 something days. I think it was 45 days, the first transfer portal window. This one's only 15. So if you're a player and you're going to move, you need to move now. You know, yeah. like you can't no mess around. You got to go. So we should start. I mean, all those names should get in there pretty soon. And they all those players need to start making that decision now, either today or tomorrow, and then make a move right away. And so, we'll, we'll like, we're going to learn a lot, I think, in the next 48 hours. Speaking of, um, have you have you noticed that our your, your boy Shane Beamer is just now starting spring practice? What? I, Are they just now starting? Like this week? I, I mean, not this week. I mean, I think there's been like a week or two in, but I don't think they're ending until like the end of April. So is yeah. he just trying to keep his guys around before they can hit the portal? And he did lose a lot of guys to the portal. He did in that first one, though. Yeah, this is the big like spring game weekend. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot. Of Florida plays tonight, Thursday night. You've got a bunch of games on Saturday. I mean, it pretty. Uh, it's kind of this is kind of the official end. Is this is this week? Then uh, they're ending this week because of that. You know, they want to get mm-hmm. that. They want to like in spring and jump right into this transfer portal recruiting before taking a little break for mm-hmm. vacation. I did want to mention before we go. I was out at the Charm and Strong scramble on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday. A lot of fun. It's just. It's cool to see we, – we mentioned it on a few others how all these former Wildcats are coming back. But, like, I, I think with Stoops, part of the the pissing match he got in with Beamer over the culture versus climate and all that is it really does take some time to to develop that. And and I think the, the greatest evidence I have for it is like at that scramble and what you're seeing now with all of the guys that are just gravitating back toward Lexington. It's, it's, it's the people that kind of make it up, make who they are up. And like to have CJ and Drake back on staff and then to have Fortner and Landon Young and Benny Snell and Lynn Bowden, all, all these guys back in Lexington, it just kind of shows – what 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 that has become and i you know it takes some longevity to do that longevity that i never expected would happen in lexington it was very cool it's a lot of it's a lot of fun you know just sitting sitting there and kind of cutting up with some of those guys right like to 
telling yeah. her glory day stories. Um, you know, hanging on the back of a golf cart uh, while we're riding around <laughs> this, this course. Like it, it was, it was a good time. Um, some stories that were meant to be shared, some others that weren't. I just love that the, the probably the most ass chewing that Benny Snell got as a freshman was he got very mad that he got tackled at practice. And just the coaches were like, Benny, you're running back. You're going to get tackled. And they were just one by one coming <laughs> up and ripping his ass, which was very funny. It also was very funny that Vince, they they roomed him and A.J. Rose together, right? They wanted those guys to be friends, two running backs coming in together. And Benny didn't like that. He was being all weird around him. He's like, Benny, what's going on? Dude, I want to kick that guy's ass. I don't want to be friends with him. <laughs> those guys are just built different, man. Some of those guys are just built different. That's yeah. That's certainly the case with Benny Snow. Oh, yeah, just a different mentality, no doubt. Who had the best swing that you saw? I mean, Mark Stoops' swing, it's amazing that he can hit the golf ball because he brings it back so We're slow. We're watching it right now, yeah, on the, yeah. live on the YouTube. I mean, he, the, the, he's got the like golf, a Sun, Sun JM. The, I mean, the uh, golf club, swing. it almost wraps around and hits his belt on yeah. the other side. It brings it so far back. I don't know how he gets around. There. I don't know how he does it. You got to have good hand eye to get that club face on the ball doing it like that. <laughs> I mean, he wraps all the way around him. Um, he spread he, it he up puts, though. Yeah, and he puts a nice little, uh, little. Uh, it's not a. Dr- I thought he was nice going to give us a twirl there. A fade, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, I would say CJ. He's smart. He has a smart golf swing where he keeps it nice and compact. When you don't play a lot, you can't bring it far back. Just let the club do the work, you know? Just let the club do all the talking. Yeah, so I'm right there makes, with him. Makes me want to get out in the golf course. Just make contact. Get the ball in the air. <laughs> I, I always love uh, – my favorite advice to give on the golf course is just swing harder, you know? <laughs> well, you got to lose. Oh, man, absolutely nothing. Well – this has been a fun 11 personnel. Like I said, next week, whatever questions you got, we're going to answer them. How many hats do I have on the wall? Who knows? It's nebulous. Just bring them all. Bring them ready. Big shout out to our presenting sponsor, Monticello Bank, NBCBank.com. Big shout out to all of you all for following along with us throughout spring practice. We'll have more to come on our road to the NFL draft for Adam Luckett. I'm Nick Rash. Go Cats and uh, go Kroger. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.